take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. Hey everybody, I have a treat in store for you today. How would you like to have a tarot reading right here, right now in the Grace Space? Well, that's exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> that's what's going to happen today. I'd like for you to meet Emily McGill. Emily is a Broadway publicist and the founder of Emily McGill Entertainment. But not only that, she is also a storytelling strategist, a deep believer in the power of community, a spiritual seeker, and a professional tarot reader. That's right. After 15 years in New York City as a Broadway and entertainment publicist and consultant, her journey of self-exploration led to healing, evolution, and reading tarot cards professionally. You know, she was invited to read tarot for Virtual Burning Man in 2021. How about that? And Brooklyn's dry speakeasy Club Curious. Emily's also been featured by The Tamron Hall Show, The New York Post, and Thrive Global. She writes Playbill's Broadway horoscopes, and she's currently developing her own tarot deck, the Broadway Tarot. She's the co-founder of Snob, Sunday Night on Broadway, a pop-up Broadway industry dance party, and a founding member of the PR collective Spiral 5. Among her 20 Broadway credits, Emily represented the Tony Award-winning productions of A Raisin in the Sun, starring Denzel Washington, Memphis, Billy Elliot, and Disney's The Lion King, among many others. We talk about what led Emily from her successful career in the entertainment industry to becoming a professional tarot reader, and then we jump into the actual live reading. So you're going to want to check out the video version of this interview in the show notes below so that you can see how we did this and actually see the cards that we pull. And be sure to be listening to this reading intended for you right at this moment. This is the perfect time. For you to receive this message, all right, and what it contains for you. So let's jump in. Welcome, Emily. So Thank excited you. to have you here in I'm the girl to be here. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, when I saw that you were, uh, you had a 15 year career as a, uh, a Broadway and entertainment publicist and consultant, and that now you read tarot cards professionally for a living. I was like, wow, <laughs> I am yeah. intrigued. I was so curious about you. And then on our first conversation, we talked a little bit about your journey and I would love to, uh, to share that with our listeners. Uh, how did you go from being, uh, an entertainment publicist and a consultant on Broadway to, uh, to reading tarot cards? And, and let me, do you say tarot or do you say tarot? Cause other different people pronounce it differently. Right. It's tomato, tomato. I like to say tarot, um, okay. but no judgment for anyone who likes to say tarot. You know, <laughs> do your thing. Okay. Awesome. So tell us, tell us a little bit about that journey. It was quite a winding journey. Um, for the majority of my life, I had a very singular ambition, which was to work on Broadway, to be involved in the theater at the absolute highest tier and level you can uh, which is Broadway. And I, you know, I grew up as a theater kid. My parents put me in dancing school when I was like two and a half. By the time I was in junior high, we started, you know, the singing and acting lessons on top of it. Um, and by the time I graduated from high school, I knew I wanted to study theater in college, but I also knew that I had a lot of really talented friends and people that I love that were not working. 
And if there was an opportunity for me to help them, whether it was creating jobs or amplifying voices or whatever that was, I knew that there was a way to be involved, but I didn't know what it was because when, when you're young or, you know, learning, you don't really think about the fact that what the whole business landscape is of Broadway, you know, you know that you see the people on stage, you can imagine there's a stage crew back there helping to move things around. But you don't think about the fact that there is a company management and general management team, a stage management team, uh, advertising, lawyers, marketing, publicity, accountants, um, you know, concessions and merchandising. Like you don't think about all the other roles that take to bring this thing together. And once I moved to New York after college, I, I knew I wanted to be on the business side, but I had no idea what that meant. So I started interning at a bunch of different places um, and by happenstance landed in a PR office as my first like paid full-time job. And I was the receptionist. So I kind of had a, got to get a sense of like what they did in the office all day. I didn't really know what a press office did. I had worked with a woman who had been the press rep on a show. I was assisting Valerie Harper, sweet oh. Valerie Harper, who was Rhoda on Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda. Wow. And, so many other things. And she uh, was doing a play on Broadway and I was her assistant. And I spent a lot of time with her and the press rep for the show. And I didn't know what she did at her office all day, but I loved what she did like out in the world. And so um, when the opportunity came to join a press office, I thought, yeah, this feels really right. And so I was there for about three years, I think. And I got a chance, you know, receptionist for six months. And then I got to get promoted and I was working on my own shows. So I had Billy Elliot, I had Memphis the Musical, I opened my first show, which was Ghost. Um, I had a really beautiful opportunity to just kind of like see what that whole thing was. And um, from there, you know, my boss shut down that company. So I went and, and worked at another very small office and had the opportunity to work with Denzel Washington on A Raisin in the Sun. Um, and Kenny Leon, who was the director of that, I was with him through his entire Tony Awards campaign and he won Best Director that season. So it was like a really, really powerful experience for me. Um, but I then got poached to go to a really big agency that to be their in-house Broadway expert at this bigger PR agency. So they had clients like W Hotels and Princess Cruises and Delta Airlines, um, the Nobel Peace Prize concert. Like some of the things that I worked on were crazy a troop of male strippers. Like I really worked on some <laughs> wild, wild projects and had the opportunity to sort of see how business works, how PR actually works, um, you know, and not just what it's like to work on a Broadway show because it's a very different experience. Um, and while I was there, you know, I learned a lot. I grew a lot, but also I decided that, um, that this wasn't, probably for me, I really, really missed working in the theater. I realized I don't like publicity and I don't like media relations and stalking press, you know, to try and get coverage for a client and try, you know, placing stories that might be difficult to get placed. Like that wasn't enjoyable for me. Um, but it was also the only thing I knew. So when I started my own business, I started it as a PR and communications consultancy because that's what I knew. But throughout this process, I had also had the opportunity to start therapy. And um, back when I was working on A Raisin in the Sun, my grandmother passed away and she and I were very close and she was also a really complicated woman. And so that was sort of the impetus to go to therapy. And it's the best gift I ever gave myself ever, hands down. I'm so grateful that the time was right. The experience was right. The moment was right. And it was, and I, and I found the right person, mm. you know, so many people have to sort of like date around to find a therapist. <laughs> and I was so blessed that it was the right person was right there for me from get. And she is actually who introduced me to tarot. Oh, wow. Yeah. We would, we would every now and again, if I like, didn't know what to do with something or wasn't sure what direction I wanted to go, she would say, why don't we pull a card? And it was just kind of this like casual, like whatever, let's just pull a card, see what happens. Um, and we would do that more and more. And then after a couple of years, I was looking for a pretty steady, like a, just a small daily practice I could do for myself. I didn't really have anything like that. I was raised Catholic. I had abandoned 
that belief system at quite a young age, um, but also didn't really know that there was an opportunity to have a sort of spiritual experience with my own higher power that mm. didn't come through a religious structure. Right. I didn't know that there were options for spirituality or what any of that was. And so a lot <laughs> of that also through therapy uh, was introduced to me. And so when I was looking for this daily practice, my therapist said, why don't you try pulling a card? And I was like, well, I don't have a deck. And she said, so download an app because uh -huh. duh, there's an app for everything, right? <laughs> so we I downloaded an app. It was like 10 bucks, which, you know, is a lot for an app, but for a deck of tarot cards is, you know, nothing. Uh, so I started pulling a card every day on my phone and I would tap my phone and it would give me this beautiful image. And then I would have the opportunity to sort of, you know, tap again and see what the meaning of that card is and get to know the deck a little bit that way. And so I was doing that for a couple of years and shortly before the pandemic, I was gifted my own hard copy of a deck. And mm. so I was like, oh, now I can start reading for other people too. You know, it was this great opportunity uh, to expand that practice and share it with others. And, um, then of course everything went digital. So I had to quickly learn how to do things online with the readings, uh, which I did. And so I've kind of been doing that ever since. And if I can demystify the tarot for one person, I, you know, I think I've done my job. Well, you're about to demystify it for a lot of people. And, and, and one of them is me because yes. I love, I mean, I love the tarot. I've always been attracted to it, but I, I never, you know, took the time to go in depth with what it all meant. You know, I mean, it's yeah. deeply archetypal. It, 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 it's, it's profound. It's ancient, you know, all of that I feel and sense. And I, and I love to pull a reading, but I, I guess I would say that I'm pretty superficial with my readings because I'm like, mm, okay, yeah, that feels right. But I don't ultimately know, you know, the deep symbolism, like my spiritual teacher, he often will pull a card mm -hmm. and he has such a profound and deep knowledge of symbolism and archetypes that, mm -hmm. you know, what, what he can help you find in a reading and connect with and contact deep inside yourself is astounding. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, uh, so I recognize that the cards are almost like a doorway, a portal yeah. into another dimension. Uh, and so I'd love to hear more of your thoughts about that. Like, what is it about the tarot that is so, uh, deeply, so, so, so appealing to you, you know, why are you mm -hmm. so passionate about it? Mm -hmm. Um, I love that you said that your teacher helps you like really access the deepest recesses of yourself, because that's what I think tarot is. It is a tool that we can use to tap into our heart or our gut, our intuition, this, the information that we know within ourselves, but it hasn't made it up to our head yet. So we have that, we know that it's that deep, deep knowing but it hasn't translated to your brain and don't necessarily have the language to then describe what it is. And so I like to say it's a physical or a visual representation of that information. Hmm. You think of it like you're texting yourself a meme, right? Like it's right. this idea that you're getting a visual representation that tells you a much larger story. And it's like, oh, really? That's what I think. <laughs> You know, or it's like, oh, yes, of course, I've been trying to put words to that. Uh, or, you know, sometimes it's really rev revelatory. Sometimes it's very sort of banal that like, you're like, oh, yeah, that. Okay. You know, like, there's, I mean, it has, there's such a spectrum to it. Um, but, I, you know, I like to think of it as a tool for self-communication. Oh, I love that. A, a tool for self-communication, because ultimately we're always communicating with ourselves, Even yeah. when we're communicating with somebody else or we're getting information, we're really only finessing information from our own self through some other medium. Mm -hmm. So now tell me, you do, uh, you propose that we do a reading for all our listeners. How does that work? Well, I think that anytime someone is seeing a reading, whether it's on a podcast or on social media or sort of whatever the, the medium is that it's being presented, we are, you know, the two people that are doing the reading or the one person that's doing the reading is going to affect that, of course. But anyone who hears that information and it resonates for them, it's for them. 
you know, and there's so much in the spiritual community and in the world that we sort of take on that is not ours. And so there is a challenge to sort of get the sieve out and sift through and only, only take on the stuff that really is for you and, and aligns for you and resonates for you and let the rest of it go. Right. Right. And, and so does that mean, so, uh, so those who are listening now, you guys who are on the other side of this and who are listening to this episode now, um, listen for what you need from this reading. Would that be, a uh, a good way to, to speak to people, to, to help tune them in, or what would you say? Yeah, that I, that does the, that language gives me pause just a little bit, because I think that what we think we need and what we actually need can be very different things. Uh huh. And so I would say more that it is like, what really resonates for you on a deeper level? What is it that you're like, oh man, I did not like, you know, it's always like the stuff we don't want to hear, <laughs> of course, that's the hardest to sort of, you know, imbibe. Uh, but I think that there is, um, you know, there, it, there can, it can be really surface too, as you were saying, right? Like it can be as deep or as shallow as we want it to be. What is like resonating with someone in their deepest recesses of their core might hit somebody else on the nose and they just like start cracking up, you know, everybody's going to have a different reception. So, okay. So how do we approach this? Like, are we asking a question or how, how do you do a reading for, for those who are listening? Well, we could do a few different things. So I'm going to use a really classic deck today. This is the Rider Waite Smith deck. The, and this was the... drawn by Pamela Coleman Smith back in, I think the early 1920s. Um, I recognize that deck, believe it or not. Yes. It's one of the <laughs> most famous along. Um, and it's, it's the deck that I think the majority of modern tarot is based upon. Anytime okay. you see a deck that is more intuitive or has the imagery and shows, you know, the different characters of the tarot, uh, whether it's the major arcana or the minor arcana, um, we see that these cards all sort of carry the same essence. And it's all based on Pamela Coleman Smith's artwork, which is really wonderful. And I love that, that she was sort of the pioneer and trailblazer of this art. Wow. What's an arcana? Yes. So the tarot is made of two parts, the major arcana and the minor arcana. And arcana just basically means part or section or, you know, piece. And the major arcana corresponds to the hero's journey and the human soul's evolution. So we start with the fool, which is zero, the numberless number. There are 22 cards in the deck. So they go from zero to 21 in the major arcana part of the deck. And um, it, it really is that hero's journey where we start in that very trusting, naive, fresh at the beginning of a journey, like, and away we go all the way up through the world, which is the very healed, completed energy. But mm -hmm. along the way we hit, you know, the teachers, we hit the intuition, we hit the parental, we hit the traditions and the structures, we hit relationship and inner strength and going within and the circle of, you know, life and time. Um, and we, we kind of move through all of these big archetypal moments in life. And so the major arcana reflects that. The minor arcana is set up kind of like a traditional deck of playing cards. So you have four suits, ace through 10, and then we have four court cards instead of three. So you'll have a king and a queen, a knight and a page. Um, sometimes you'll see prince and princess. Sometimes it will be father, mother, son, and daughter. Um, it is very gender binary because again, these are archetypes that we're working with here. So there is less gray area available to us by nature of the archetypes. However, it is all about what resonates and what, you know, what suits for you and what aligns. So those court cards tend to represent people in our lives or the qualities of those cards within ourselves. The, okay. the pip cards or the numbered cards tend to correspond more to situations or experiences in our lives. And those four suits correspond to the four elements. So we've got wands, which is our fire. That's your passion, your drive, your creativity, the stuff that gets you out of bed in the morning, that lights you up. 
You've got cups, which is water. That's our emotions, our feelings, our intuition. We've got swords, which is air. That is anything that has to do with the mind. So the mental state, knowledge, wisdom, um, but also technology, communication, language. And then finally, we've got our pentacles or discs or coins, which is earth. And that's your physical, your material, your manifest. Oh my gosh. So I did not realize that it was associated with those four elements. And it's mm-hmm. so, fun. I literally just got back from a week at the ashram where I was on the teaching team. Uh, of our Kriya and Ayurveda week, which is all about the, the, in this case, the five elements, because we include the element of space. So I'm rich in that. Love it. it. It's going to really carry over. So, yes. And that's one of the biggest difference between like the tarot and an Oracle deck is that Mm. the tarot really has this structure that exists within the deck. It is always going to have a major and minor arcana. It's always going to have the same, you know, sometimes there are two cards that tend, uh, justice and strength tend to get flipped back and forth. One of them's eight, one of them's 11. Sometimes it's flip-flopped. It really kind of depends on the author of the deck, but for the most part, these cards, there are 78 of them. We know that we know what they mean. We know, you know, the general idea of what they are, um, with an Oracle deck, you have a lot more freedom and flexibility for it to really just be what the author wants it to be. So when you find a deck of like angel cards or crystal cards or moon cards or whatever that is, um, with that Oracle deck, it doesn't necessarily have to have those 78 cards. I see. And you find in some decks that there will be a 79th card. If the author has a little bit of an ego and wants to include their own in there, you'll find that more, more often than not. Uh, note to self, pay attention next time I'm looking at a tarot deck, <laughs> how many cards are in there? Right. Very interesting. Oh, this is very illuminating. Okay. Well, I'm super excited to launch into a reading. Yes, Let's do it. Excellent. So I'm going to start shuffling now um, to answer your earlier question about how we do this for a group. I mean, it can really be if, you know, if someone's like, I have a, I just like, don't know about career or I don't know about relationship or I, cause those are the two biggest that we always hear from mm. as far as tarot readings go. But you'll also hear people asking about, you know, what I want to do with my podcast or what I want to do with, um, an upcoming vacation or right. Like it could be anything, any subject you want. Uh, but keep in mind for your listeners that there is the more you have an intention, the stronger the reading will be. Okay. Okay. So you, Claire, can have your intention. Um, you can share it or not. It's up to you. As it, when I'm doing a one-on-one reading with a client, I always prefer them to share more information with me than not because I'm a theater kid. I do this. It's a collaborative <laughs> game for me, right? Like everything's about the collaboration. So I will oftentimes, and you'll experience this as we do this reading now, I'm going to ask questions about how this resonates, what, you know, what aligns, what doesn't, because while each of the cards has specific meanings, those meanings can ebb and flow. They can shift. They can, you know, be more on one side of a spectrum of the cards meeting than the other. Um, I do believe that every card holds the full spectrum of its meaning. Mm. That makes total sense. I mean, because everything, if we're living in a holographic universe and every part contains the whole, so we should trust that. Right. Um, so should I share the, the personal intention, the, the thought that came through my mind when you asked about setting intentions? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, my intention would have to do with, uh, my work in the world, right. And how I could be a greater service and how I could align, uh, uh, more and more uh, fully, uh, more and more completely with uh, the divine intention for my life. So for me, it's always about surrender. How can I surrender more deeply? You know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's that's Great. that's sort of my intention. Great. Um, and then for anyone listening, think about your intention. And we're gonna do a spread today that is one of my favorites. And spread really just means this is how many cards we're doing. This is what these cards are sort of representative of. But one of my favorites is what will help you, what will hinder you, and what is your untapped or your unrealized potential. Okay. What will help you, what will hinder you, and what is your untapped or unrealized potential? Okay. Got it. So 
Next thing we're going to do is you are going to cut these cards. So you're oh. going to tell me when to stop. Okay. <laughs> All right. You ready? All right. Stop. Okay, this thing. is so cool, you guys. It, now, make sure that you go to the video link for this episode because you want to just see how we cut the cards. That was really cool. <laughs> yes, I love that. Um, and the other thing I want to say too is that um, I always like to say when I'm doing readings with someone, you're the one that's actually doing the reading. I'm just interpreting. Right. So um, our first card for what will help you, we have here the King of Pentacles. Ooh, the King of Pentacles. And he's upside down. Yes. So remember our pentacles, that's our earth. That's our physical, our material, our manifest. And the king is sort of the, the, the culmination of this suit, right? So remember we have ace through 10 and then we have our four court cards. So as we see the cycle in the major arcana of, you know, fool to the world, and then we start back at the fool again, same thing kind of happens in the, in the minor arcana. We have ace through 10. That's a cycle. We have page through king, that's a cycle, but then we have ace through king, which is another cycle that we have. Oh, right. So this is the, the sort of highest representation of, of our earth cards. And the king energy is all about knowing exactly how to best use your resources. Mm. Right? It's a very grounded energy. It's a very responsible energy, mature energy. There's a lot of knowledge and experience there. Um, you know, the king of pentacles is going to be able to, to care for his subjects well because he understands how to navigate resource and how to responsibly use it. Right. And as you mentioned, this card is upside down. So we see him on his throne, but he's not sitting upright. And this is something that's called an inversion or a reversal. And so when I was alluding to every card holds the full spectrum of its meaning, a lot of people will read an inversion like this as the negative expression of the card. So it might, you know, they might receive this as this is about being irresponsible with your resources. This is about, um, you know, maybe feeling like scarcity mindset and lack. But as I said, I like to think that all cards hold the full spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I like to see an inversion as either something that needs to be dropped from your life. So perhaps this is for some folks, this is about like too much rigidity around resource mm. that you need to have a little more like flexibility and groundedness and like not sort of like stuck in the mud in your resource. Um, some people, I like to also see it as the internal expression of the card. So thinking about your own internal resources that you have available to you that maybe aren't material and how you could better be utilizing those and, you know, using more grounded and strong um, energy around your own resources. Interesting. And this was the card that we, that we pulled that this is what will help you. Okay. Okay. So I'm curious in that what's resonating for you. Well, um, so uh, I, I'm also of the, of the feeling that an inversion, you know, when, when you see an inverted card, you know, part of you is like, oh no, you know, <laughs> that's right. the bad thing. Right? right. But that we need to come out of that mentality, which is just a dualistic mentality. Right. Mm -hmm. And understand that, that, you know, it's much deeper than that. It's, and it's much more, um, uh, complex isn't really the right word, but it, well, it's just deeper than that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, <clears throat> I had a couple of thoughts, you know, as you were talking about what it means, you know, um, the, the, about, about what to let go of, uh, mm -hmm. for me personally, and something that I have really been letting go of a lot of lately is my own rigidity with time, uh, mm -hmm. and how I spend my time. Right. Um, I've been much more drawn to, uh, contemplation. I've been absolutely passionately in love with nature. Uh, and my eyes are continually drawn out the door, uh, away from, uh, the work, you know, I, I would say that most of my life I've been a nose to the grindstone worker, you know, mm -hmm. like, come on, I got work to do and I love my work and I enjoy it. So it's not a hardship, but there has been a certain amount of rigidity and control, 
mm-hmm. in that, it, you know, how I, I need to work, spend my time working. And now it feels like, you know, spirit is bringing me uh, into an experience of the present moment, which is far more powerful than anything that I could create by working harder and doing more. Mm-hmm. So it feels like a letting go of the materialistic sort of aspect of how I spend my time uh, mm-hmm. as a resource, right? And instead, you know, uh, allowing uh, a higher expression uh, uh, of of that to, to blossom, you know, uh, in, in life and to be present to, uh, the joy of being right now. And that's a much more efficient way to work actually, because you're connected to inspiration. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that so much. And some folks that are listening might say, oh, that's actually a person in my life. Right. Because remember Mm -hmm. the, the court cards can also be representative of people. So, you know, someone might say, you know, that is my business partner or my dad or my brother or my uncle or my cousin or my, you know, gender non-conforming friend or my sister or my niece or my daughter, right? Like other people, you, whoever is listening to this in this moment might have a different reception of it. Yeah, but absolutely. It's important for us to share what we see in it too, because yeah. as you said, that that duality mindset, uh, that we work so many of us work so hard to break out of. I was raised Catholic. Like, I mean, all I know is good and bad. Yes. And no, when I was five years old, I think my parents took my dad, like my mom had to run into the mall to get something. And we were in the car with my dad and I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And he said, I'm not sending you into a public bathroom by yourself. I said, well, can I use the Catholic one? Because I only knew that there were public schools and Catholic schools. And so it's a mindset I've been working on breaking out of my entire life. <laughs> Love it. Oh, wow. But yeah, that's so what's really gonna help cool. You? That's your king of pentacles, your king of yeah. coins. What's going to help you? Okay. Got it. All right. Let's talk about what's going to hinder you. Okay. All right. So here we have the seven of cups. Hmm. This is the seven. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I pretty sure I knew what this was. Um, so the seven of cups is again, it's upside down. We see it as inverted once again. And remember our cups, that's our emotions, our feelings, and our intuition. And the seven is oftentimes about choice, too much choice, too many options, being unable to focus because you're, you want to do too many things or you're excited about too many things. Um, but again, this is inverted. So it could be about releasing options that maybe you like, but aren't really for you. It could be about embracing options. It could be, you know, it could be, Hey, there are so many things available to me here. I'm going to try everything. I'm going to take a bite of everything and see what I like. But again, this is the card that we pulled that this is what will hinder you. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm really getting from this right now is we have to be deliberate with the options we make available to ourselves because this sort of feels like this card sort of feels representative of the internet to me, right? That there's just so much there for anybody and any interest they have, there's just so much there. And it's like, we really got to sort of drill down into what really is for us because the distraction of everything else is going to be a hindrance. Yes. Yes. Well, I see that operating on two levels. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, like you say, you know, with the internet and, and having, having so many options, you know, I mean, I, I am, uh, as a, as a teacher, as a mentor, as a coach, I, I work with people all the time. That's what I do, you know, but I also, I also am mentored by mm-hmm. other people who are helping me to grow so that I can expand what I do and reach more people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I find that I, um, throw myself into programs and, you know, I give myself a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes, 
too much to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's like that, you know, you're, you're like, oh yes. Yeah. I, I, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that, you know, and, uh, it's easy to get overwhelmed. And so I'm aware of uh, a tendency to spread myself too thin out of a passion for, uh, mm-hmm. all the different possibilities, you know, because I, I, I love content. I love creating content. I mean, I have a podcast. I love to write. Um, I love creating courses. Um, my sister-in-law this weekend was at, at me to write a book, you know, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, I, I, I should get started on that. And then I'm like, okay, in what time? So time is coming up again. Uh-huh. Like, when is that going to happen? Right. And then, um, and then the other, uh, level, uh, because this is cups, right. And that's the, yes. that's, that's water and that's uh-huh. emotion, right. Uh, would be, um, something about, you know, um, uh, uh, allowing emotion to make choices mm-hmm. instead of, and, and when I'm talking about emotion, I'm talking about, uh, uh, lower emotions, you know, quote unquote, lower emotions mm-hmm. like fear or, you know, um, doubt or, um, anything that would be, you know, contrary to, uh, greater expression, but in the, in the right way, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the aligned way. Right. So, and there's a tendency when you take on too much, and I don't know if you guys can resonate with this out there, but you know, when you take on too much, then you get overwhelmed. Right. And then the gremlins come up about your doubts and about yourself and what you're capable of. And, uh, and so to me, I don't know that card is operating on both levels that the hindrance would be, you know, trying to do too much, spreading yourself too thin. And then, and I'll, and the resulting, um, emotional overwhelm, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, becomes about the personality again. And, you know, um, there's a, there, the danger there is that you get sucked back into the ego and then the ego has an agenda for all of these different <laughs> plans that you're making, you know, yeah. and it really, it doesn't matter because, uh, because we're not here to serve that, you know, again, it's right. about for me anyway, it's about surrender. Right. And so then, um, that leads me to, okay. Um, yeah, don't, don't let that happen. You know, keep going into the space of trust and, um, allowing yourself to be a divine channel instead of, uh, serving the interests of, you know, your, the personality who wants to do a million different things. And right. Yeah. And when you started, uh, talking about emotion immediately, my brain popped with follow your heart. Mm you know, and that idea of listening to yourself, right? Again, but it's not like the mental stuff. It's the, it's what your heart is saying. And right. to, your, to your point about being the channel versus choosing what the personality wants, it's that release of personal preference which is so hard for us to do as humans. Yes. Yes, exactly. And my prayer all year has been, you know, thy will be done. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and to release my personal will so that, uh, you know, so that no personal agenda would come into mm-hmm. how, how I live anymore, you know, how, how, how I, and how I serve obviously. So. That's yeah, that's in that's a, I wish you guys could see these cards. Yeah. Check out the videos, all these golden, like, um, they look like altar cups actually. Yeah. They're you know? chalices for sure. <laughs> yeah. Chalices mm-hmm. upside down. Yeah. Right. And then cool. when we flip it over, we can see all the different things we have in here. Right. So we see there's a, there's a human head in one meaning. I think that's like, there's a person, um, you know, we can see, this one in the middle sort of looks like a caped figure with their arms wide open. We've got a snake coming out of one of them. One of mm. them's got a laurel. One of them's got some flowers. You know, we can see all these different things. There's a castle, there's a dragon, there's jewels, um, you know. And, and I think this the other thing is that, you know, it puts the physical material things in the bottom row. Mm. And then the sort of more, um, spiritual kind of vibing stuff is in that, that higher, 
higher level of the cups. And we see this yes. dark figure here sort of trying to make a choice. Yes. Right. Right. Well, it, you know, when you look at the cards, it, it, it seems like you could go, you could spend hours just examining one card yeah. and going into, into the symbolism of it. Yep. So true. All right. So our last card is our untapped or unrealized potential. Oh, we've got the ace of swords. So our swords is our air, right? So that's everything mental. That's ideas. Yes. Um, despite the fact that wands are also ideas because the, you know, the fire that, that sort of igniting something new, but because this has to do with the mental state, it really is about new ideas, new ways of communicating. And that ACE is the top of the cycle, right? It's the beginning. Mm. So it's the newness, it's the freshness. Um, this is a brand new sword we can see. And this one is upright. It is not mm. inverted. Mm. So out of the three that we pulled, this is the only one that's standing upright. So this is uh, the images of a, a hand holding a sword. And at the top of the sword, there's a crown mm -hmm. and there appear to be two sort of like leafy things mm -hmm. or one leafy thing on one side and the other side almost looks like a dragon hanging off. <laughs> yes. But I do think it's like seaweed or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, it does look like it could be a dragon, but I do think it is. Uh, oh, I see it, now. Yeah. It is yeah. Fa uh, flora and not fauna. Okay. But yes, we can see, you know, this hand holding the sword and it's about beginning that journey again. <sighs> Right. So, and, and it looks like the hand is coming out of a cloud almost mm -hmm. like, you know, this is like a, uh, and there's a glow around it, like a divine mm -hmm. hand from the sky. Yep. And, and I, I don't know what those are. They look like little drops or something Yeah, uh, I think on either could, side. Right. They could, they could kind of be open to interpretation, right? Like okay. it could be, um, you know, droplets of gold from the crown. It could be leaves falling from the pieces that are there. It could be sparkles or by the hand, uh, you know, I, it's really up to interpretation. And that's the other beautiful thing about the tarot is that, you know, you can, I don't want to say you can get it wrong as far as like the meaning of a card, you know, but there, uh, there's really no wrong way to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and I guess it's whatever it brings up and whatever it sparks, you know, mm -hmm. so, uh, and sometimes you don't even know why. So, so this is the ace of swords. Okay. So, mm -hmm. um, so the air element and what was that? What's our category again? It's uh, hidden resources or this is your untapped potential. This is, untapped potential. this is, uh, or your, um, your, uh, what, what's the other way I like to say it? Um, or your unrealized potential. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. So, you, you know, it, and I think that this is, there's something in here about the ability to start. Mm -hmm. There's something in here about putting something down, right? Because you have to put something down in order to pick up the sword, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like this comes right after something has been released. Yes. Okay. I'm getting something here. Uh, well, first I'm looking at the crown at the mm -hmm. top of the sword and I'm seeing the crown chakra and the sword mm -hmm. as the spine, you know, um, and uh, well, personally, you know, something that I've been going through is another big, uh, feels like another opening in consciousness. And, um, and in order for that to happen, you know, uh, well, let's say part and parcel of that is letting go of uh, an old way of perceiving where one was always waiting for the sky to fall or the other shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I've recently realized that that's not going to happen. It only happens if you believe it's going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this is part of the the opening and it literally has felt like my head has expanded and has been expanding. I'm very aware of energy inside the brain and a feeling like the head is <laughs> like opening up mm -hmm. and getting bigger. Uh, it's a pretty strange sensation. So, um, yeah, it seems to me that, you know, the, that there, that it's, it, it feels like the beginning mm -hmm. of a much, larger opening of a new journey 
actually. That something a new perspective, new yes. ideas, new ways of thinking, new new possibilities in um, how you communicate and in, in the language that you use um, in the even in the old knowledge and wisdom that you've gained over the years that there's still newness in that. Yeah. And it's also a new way of understanding things, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, understanding things with a new mind um, and, and not, not, not even the intellect. Do you know what right. I mean? It's like a, a deeper knowledge or um, a deeper receptivity to mm-hmm. uh, universal wisdom. Uh, there's no more claiming of it as you know, my idea or my thought it's, it's like literally the top of the head opens and it comes in, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, that for me, I mean, that, that definitely resonates, uh, as a feeling of something that's beginning to happen in a more powerful way and, uh, letting go of an old identity actually, that is rooted in the personal self and being open to, uh, something that's way, way beyond that. And I think that that's our common destiny as well. Mm-hmm. Well, anyone who's listening today, your untapped potential is the ace of swords. <laughs> wow. The, you guys. Um, yeah. I just want to encourage everybody to, um, take a moment to just maybe put your hand on your heart and, and tune into what, what resonance there could be for you in this uh, brief reading that we've done and um, to trust the, to trust what you're getting. Yeah. So Emily's holding up the cards uh, for us to see them. The first one was the uh, king of, of pentacles. pentacles yes. Yeah. The second was the seven of cups mm-hmm. and the third was the, what's it called again? It's the ace of wands, the ace of wands. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. we can, you know, we can also sort of, again, theater kids. So I love a story. Um, we can also sort of bring this together and say that, you know, the thing that's going to help you is that grounded use of your resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and also releasing rigidity in how you see resources. Mm-hmm. The thing that's going to hinder you is an overabundance of choice and not listening to your heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. the unrealized or the untapped potential is this new perspective, new ideas, new mindset, new ways of thinking new perspective and moving through the world. Yes. Yes. And that's a great way to put the three cards together and to, to, uh, as a, you know, more generalized way of approaching it for everyone who's listening. Uh, if you think of it in those terms, what is there in there for you? Wow. That was fun. Really, really interesting. Yay, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. And I'll take a picture so you have it so that, you know, perhaps uh, in the in the show notes or something, if folks want to see what the cards look like and they're not checking out the video, um, I highly recommend to check out the video. But <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> but for those that are not able to do so, we'll make sure that you can still see what these cards look like. That's awesome. That's really great. Thanks, Emily. Wow. Well, uh, in the couple minutes that uh, I know you have a hard stop today, so I won't keep you, but in the couple of minutes that remain to us, I'd love to ask you a couple of questions that I'm starting to ask people. Um, what would your advice be to artists today in this world, in this new world? No matter how demoralizing it feels, your art is necessary. Beautiful. That came straight from the heart. Yeah. Second question. What advice would you give now to your younger self? Mm. Allow all of your passions to come to the front. (laughs) It doesn't have to be a singular focus. 
35 years. You're allowed right. to love things besides theater, besides Broadway. Yes. And we'll celebrate it. Yeah. Well, it looks like that's what you do now. Yeah. And <laughs> what advice does your future self have for you? Oh gosh. Um, You don't even know how good it can get. <laughs> you have no idea how good it's going to get. Beautiful. So just stay on the path. Yeah. Stay on the path. That's right. Yeah. Well, Emily, it's been a real pleasure. So much fun and uh, an inspiration. Everyone, I'm going to leave Emily's information in the show notes. So if you want to have a reading with her, which I highly recommend, you'll be able to uh, connect with her. We're using the links in the show notes. I want to thank you for gracing us with your presence here in the grace space today. Thank you so much for the invite. It's been fabulous connecting with you, Claire. So did you have any insights or breakthroughs during the reading? What did you take away from this for yourself? What was most meaningful to you? If you'd like to share your gems of insight with me, I would love to hear them. Send me a message at claire at clairelotier.com. I think this serves as another reminder that we all have the answers we need within us and that the tarot is a wonderful tool for mining the wisdom that's already within your deepest essence, there for you to discover for your highest good and the highest good of all. Are you intrigued by this episode today and eager to tap into your hidden potential? If so, consider this your invitation to join a spiritually minded community of people who support each other's highest vision for whom they want to be and how they want to live. You'll find links in the show notes to learn more about how to become part of my inner circle of members and work with me personally on creating the results that you really want in your life here and now. And if you're a performing artist or show business professional and you want to be more successful, make more money, have more opportunities doing what you love, using the skills that you already have, I can show you how. It's very common for people in the arts to believe that the decisions that affect their lives and careers are in other people's hands. But the truth is, you are the one and only creator at work here. You can take back the power that you've given away to others, to the business, to the industry. Just click on the link to set up a free Empower Hour breakthrough session with me. And let's talk about what your dream life as an artist would look like and how to make that a living reality. I'll see you next time. Meanwhile, walk in grace. Thank you for joining me in the grace space where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.